Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. The Life of St. Philip Neri by Antonio Galonio, section 19, chapter 229. And now I have said enough about the life of Philip. Concluding my work in this year of Jubilee 1600 with the help of God. This year is distinguished above all others and will long be remembered, partly because every day there is an increase in the works of piety done by the citizens of Rome, her leading men and her highest ranking prelates, and partly because our supreme pontiff, Clement VIII, has welcomed such a crowd of people flocking to our city from every part of the world and has relieved the poverty of pilgrims in distress with the result that the fatherly care which his citizens have known so well is now increasingly becoming known to foreign peoples and nations. For their convenience, he has opened a new guest house for visiting priests where he follows the example of him whose vicar he is and frequently washes the feet of his guests, dries them and kisses them, unashamed to give them his blessing as they sit at table. But this is something I must leave to others to describe in greater detail, having touched upon it only in passing. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Angels of God, our guardians dear, to whom God's love commits us here, ever this day be at our side, to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. St. Philip Neri, Apostle of Rome, Counselor of Popes, vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. It is a great joy on this vigil of the anniversary of the canonization of St. Philip, the 400th anniversary, to be on the vigil the last chapter minus one of this book. Why is it a great joy? Because in this chapter 229, Galonio speaks about a jubilee. Now this goes back to the Bible. It was something that was practiced, especially in the Old Testament, every 25 or every 50 years. There were various jubilees in which debts were remitted, land was given back. There was a great ability to forgive what had been done wrong and to start again. There were times of pilgrimage. And gradually within Christianity, these jubilee years were recognized. And they were chances for people to make pilgrimages to Rome. They were recognized to be times of special graces 
and the church recognizing that she had this treasury of merits, that Christ and the saints had done more and had suffered more than was necessary for the salvation of the world. And so there was this kind of superabundance of merits. But because Christ had given to the Pope the power of the keys, Matthew 16, to bind and to loose, that what you bind in heaven on earth is bound in heaven, Jesus told Peter. And so the Pope realizes over time that they have the ability to give special remissions of, of temporal punishment by encouraging wonderful behavior that builds up the church, builds up the Christian life. And then if you do this thing, this great work, then the church will encourage this medicinal work, this work that, that causes healing, and she will remit the, the painful aspect of punishment. In other words, that because of our sins, that's what we talked about last night, we have to do penance. But penance is, is painful. But what if other people would do penance for us? What if saints do penance more than they need? What if Christ suffered more than he needed to suffer for our salvation? And that the church could somehow apply to us what other people had done for us. Well, this is what the church has realized. This is what we call an indulgence. It's the fostering of something that's medicinal, that is healing. Encouraging people to do that. And using the sufferings of others to lessen what we have to do. The painful aspect of punishment. And so the church in these jubilee years would tell people, do these great acts of charity. And the church will kind of top off what you do with a special indulgence, special forgiveness of the temporal punishment due to sins. Okay, well, why is all this important for tonight? Well, because tomorrow there's a kind of jubilee that's been declared for oratorians and people connected to oratorians on this anniversary of Philip's canonization. The Pope has said that if anyone will take part in the celebration of this whole year, celebrations in honor of this canonization of St. Philip and the four other saints, St. Francis, C.C., St. Francis of Xavier, St. Ignatius, St. Teresa of Avila, St. Isidore the Farmer, it's like a remarkable canonization that happened in 1622. Five saints were canonized in the same day saints who had lived during the Protestant Reformation, saints who lived when people said, the Protestants were saying, oh, the Catholics are all corrupt. The Christian life it cannot be lived within Catholicism. And yet, in 1622, the church looked back at saints who lived at the very time when Protestants were saying the Catholic Church was corrupt. And we have to leave her. And what did we discover? There were these incredible people like St. Philip, St. Ignatius. The church wasn't corrupt, not in her essence. The church was not over and done with. No, the church is established by Jesus Christ and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And the church is one holy Catholic apostolic and there will be holiness until the end of time. And when things are darkest, when sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. 
And so this anniversary of this canonization of these five saints reminds us that holiness is possible even in dark times. Even when many people are denying Christ and his church, God can raise up saints. And so why would the church be telling us about this event 400 years later, telling us to celebrate it? Because even now we need to be remembered, reminded of the same thing, that holiness is possible in all walks of life. And even when people say, you can no longer be holy, the world is so bad, the church is so bad, this and that, the church, by putting forward these five saints once again, is reminding us that the same thing that happened at the time of the Protestant Reformation can happen now. That God can raise up great saints. And so the Pope has given a jubilee year. That if you take part in ceremonies, like tomorrow's Mass, or if you even make a pilgrimage to the Oratorian Church, which you can do every day, actually, and you do it being sorry for your sins, repentant, compelled by charity, and you go to confession, you go to communion, you pray according to the Pope's intentions, and then you say the creed and the Our Father, and you pray a little prayer to Mary and a little prayer to St. Philip before his relics, honoring the fact that God can work miracles even now through relics. We've read so many about so many miracles of these relics in this book then you can gain this incredible indulgence for yourself or someone who's died. In which the painful aspect of, of punishment for their sins can be remitted. The painful aspect for ourselves can be remitted. By the power of the keys, what you bind on earth is bound in heaven. What you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Why can this happen? Because we live in the mystical body of Christ. And just as the, the hand can help the eye, so when we're one mystical person, you and I can take on the satisfaction for sins for other people. We can take on the painful aspect of punishment for other people. Because we are one body, one mystical person in Christ. As we're nearing the end of this book, I'll just notice one last thing. That Galonio is very clever. He seems like he's just randomly telling us about the Pope, what the Pope was doing in 1600. But why end the book with that? I mean, we're going to have a prayer tomorrow night, but why end the book with this thing about the Pope? Is he just trying to curry favor with the Pope? No. The very thing he says is happening in Rome in 1600 laymen doing works of mercy and the pope looking after pilgrims the pope looking after pilgrims what is this telling us it's telling us that the very thing that saint philip began 50 years earlier when he was just a layman when no one was taking care of pilgrims in rome they had nowhere to stay got some money and they got this house for these people. When no one was visiting the hospitals, the sick, no laymen were doing that. St. Philip renewed that practice. And 50 years later, the whole city is doing it, even the Pope. 
This is why Philip's called, partly called the apostle of Rome, the second apostle of Rome. He set about doing good. He set about trying to fix what he could do there and then. And through him, God sanctified and transformed the whole city. So let us ask the Lord tonight to give us the grace to be faithful. He doesn't ask us to be successful. He asks us to be faithful and to do the small good that we see before us. And if we keep doing the small good, we keep following the lights we've been given, then the Lord will also make use of us in his own way, in his own time, for the good of his church, which is a divine institution, which is established by the Son of God. And no matter how bad things seem to be, it's one holy Catholic and apostolic church, despite everything. And St. Philip's prayers are not finished yet. Whatever we need to serve the church, let's ask him to give us that grace by his prayers. Together with Joseph and Mary, we too might follow the path of holiness. For there's one thing that we should regret in this life. It's not becoming a saint. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.